you know, bottom line is just because somebody's doing workshops doesn't mean you should do workshops. Just because somebody has a podcast doesn't mean you should have a podcast, right? I'm asked this often, uh, hey, Joe, what, what's working out there for business development today? And the answer is everything, absolutely everything. Welcome to the Perfect RIA Podcast, the only show dedicated to helping you build a highly effective financial planning practice that delivers both an amazing client experience and an amazing lifestyle for you and your family. What you will hear today is not theory, but rather real world, tested in the trenches systems that your hosts, Micah Shalansky and Matthew Jarvis, have developed in their own respective practices, which have been recognized as some of the best in our industry. Before we get started, a quick reminder from our attorneys. This podcast is intended only for a professional audience and should not be considered as tax, legal, financial, investing, or even cooking advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and you alone are responsible for you. And now, lean forward and let Micah and Matthew show you how to build the perfect RIA. Today's guest on our podcast is Coach Joe Lucas. Now, Joe has been Micah's coach for the better part of 15 years and, and has actually been coaching advisors in our industry for decades. And yet, despite his long history in the industry, I'm willing to bet that almost no one listening to this podcast has ever even heard of Joe before. And don't let that dissuade you. In fact, uh, I only discovered Joe a few months ago when Micah introduced him to me. And every time I talk to him, he blows my mind, which is not a small feat. I've talked to a lot of coaches over the years. I've heard from a lot of industry experts. And Joe was able to bring, is always able to bring a new angle to the advisor space that I had not heard of before. And I'm certain that you will find it valuable. In this episode, as Joe always does, he turns on a literal, well, not a literal, obviously it's not literal, a figurative fire hose of amazing information, amazing advice and guidance for advisors, everything from how to not get bored by being an advisor. He talks about why parading around top advisors at industry conferences is detrimental to our success. And he even goes as far to explain why he feels that financial planning is not a real job and that we should stop pretending that it is. So with no further ado, please enjoy our discussion with Coach Joe Lucas. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Matt and Micah Perfect RA podcast. We are delighted to have Coach Joe Lucas on the call with us today. For those of you that don't know Joe, in fact, let's even just start out with this. Joe, there, there is a story in the Shalansky family lore about how you and Floyd started working together, and I'm really curious to hear your side of the story. Or maybe I should tell you the story I've heard first. I like that. Why don't you start with your story, then I'll let you know if it's accurate or not. How's that? <laughs> you can fact check. Well, the way that I heard the story, and I am notorious for embellishing stories that have already been embellished on, the story that I heard is that somewhere you had posted something about or had spoken somewhere about the value of coaching and Floyd, who for those of you who don't know is Micah's dad, and, and Floyd is a very successful planner and a great guy in his own right. Floyd, according to the story, had sort of called you out and said that that was sort of all BS and that most coaches were full of BS and, and that must apply to you as well. And that you went back to Floyd and called him and said, hey, listen, I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is and I'll, I'll prove to you in person that this is really valuable. 
Any any I, legitimacy to that story there? Joe? I think yeah. I mean, I, you know, that is that is uh, that's part of the story. But then the second part of the story was that he did not take me up on my offer, but mysteriously, somebody in the office filled out uh, an evaluation form, and then I, <laughs> I and so so my office and his office scheduled a call between he and I. Yeah, and it just so happens he has a client named Lucas. Not not my spelling. <laughs> so so next thing you know is Joe Lucas is on the phone. Phone. He goes, Oh, okay. And so within, I think it took him about three minutes to figure out I'm not his client. I'm this coach person. <laughs> and so he basically rips me a new one. On the phone. Yeah, so, so you're going to call him. No, 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 I, 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 call him. <laughs> of course. Well, I don't care. I, I talk to anybody. I don't care. And so it was interesting. Till this day which is now 15 years later, round numbers, we still don't know who actually filled that stuff. Nobody's owned up to it. I think it was his wife, Micah's mom. I think really he was the one who did it. But the, the, so the backstory on this, so the this thing full circle, he is not allowed to, 15 years later, he is not allowed to fire me. <laughs> not allowed. The staff will not let him fire me, even if he wants to, which he doesn't, by the way. We're friends now. But uh, yeah, he was not exactly warm and fuzzy the first few phone calls. Definitely more of a prove-it kind of guy, which I'm fine with. I like to put my uh, strategies where my, uh, where my mouth is, if you will. So totally cool with that. And then uh, he referred me to his uh, young son, who was just, believe it or not, Micah, just starting out in the business. Um, I was, yeah. Yeah. And so here we are, you know, uh, you're super successful, family, uh, you know, adding value to the industry now. I mean, I've watched you do this over the last 15 years, which has been a great journey for me. So, but that's the story, Matt. Wow, that's that's a fun story, and you've got to really be careful on this podcast of flattery and Micah. We all know, you know, where that can go. So <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Don't worry, my I, don't e worry. I, I got. I'll, I'll check and balance them. Don't worry about that. <laughs> my ego is growing by the minute. What can I say? <laughs> what can we say? What can we say? Well, Joe, maybe we can start with that then. So, and maybe this is a really big topic to jump into, but could you contrast kind of you go to a, someone an advisor like Floyd, who's been in the business a long time, who's very yeah. experienced, very successful, and yeah. so you're coaching him almost begrudgingly at first from his end, and then at the same time you're coaching Micah, who at that time was very young in the industry. Micah's told us his stories about just working endless hours and not making any money. Those mm -hmm. seem like real opposite ends of, of the spectrum, right? It seems, in my mind, having not been a coach, that it would be easy maybe easier to coach successful advisors who are already making a lot of money versus inexperienced ones, but that you're covering the whole gambit there. I get bored easily and I like challenges, I guess. That's probably the best way to say it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, I think there's two coaching philosophies. One of them is process-oriented, which is I am I, the coach. This is what I'm really good at. This is my Kool-Aid, if you will, and, and for the next 15, 20 years, this is what I'm going to, I'm going to keep it in the box. And, and Because you know why? It's easy to do. I've done it so on and so forth. I'm the, second, I'm the second type of coach, which is more of a personality-driven coach, where I'm always saying, okay, what's next? What do we got? You know, so I'm constantly reinventing myself, constantly looking at what's down the road. And uh, I can, you know, quite frankly, I like a little change here and there. So uh, if, you've ever, if you ever come, and I think, Matt, you're actually going to join us this year for business planning, yes, you I shall am. see. You, you will see a gambit of different practice models and definitely a gambit of personalities, Right. Um, the reason why I'm able to get along with everyone and be effective is it's never about me. It's always about the client. I'm able to get where they're at, understand how they're wired, and then be effective with them. Where I think a lot of coaches today, especially the practice management people, and there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, they're necessary. They're, they add a lot of value. But without the practice management, without the me management, you don't have a complete coaching model. That's the difference. Yeah, no, that's, that's really true. 
Micah, feel free to jump in here. But Joe, I, I wanted to ask you two, two phrases that you just said that really stood out to me. Well, the first one is that you get bored easily. And, and I know that's something you and I have talked about when we had a mastermind call at one point. Um, mm -hmm. but, but tell me about that. You're right. So you say, well, I get bored easily, and yet you've been doing coaching for a long time. And I think this really applies to advisors, right? We, those of us that have really refined practices, they become very easy, right? It's just pull the lever and it keeps going. How do you handle that? How, how do we reconcile that? I'm bored easily, yet I've been doing the same thing for a long time. Great question. So I, I think first off, being bored and being in that comfort zone is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And here's why. I think once you're there, it's easy to say, I'd like to versus I must. Uh, we get, and what happens is, you know, if you think about it, we as human beings are happiest when we're in what we call expansion mode. We're taking on new challenges. We're trying to help more people. We're trying to reach people. We have our own goals. We're, we have a quest, in other words. The day you wake up and you've got the, and you think you've got this thing figured out is the first day of your decline. So for me, it's always about not just challenging myself, but challenging my clients, right? To keep moving things forward. And for a lot of times, it's not about making more money, although that's a byproduct of it. It's how do you have more impact? How do you live that ideal life lifestyle? How do you contribute at the highest levels? How do you make this about more than just yourself, right? Expansion mode right? Doing things like that. Because I think if you don't have that, you get in this industry, you get bored real easily. And, sure. and quite frankly, Matt, the other thing is they're, they're probably the other reason why I keep all these different personalities around me. I never have boring calls because I can have somebody like Micah. Then I talk to his dad, which are two very different people, even though they sh uh, share the same DNA pool. They're different, different approaches, different styles. So I like it that way. But I think for advisors, you know, you always have to have what's next. And if it's not about money, then find some that's going to make it about your next, whether it's a charitable thing you want to do, a big, uh, you know, bucket list item you want to go accomplish, whatever it is that's going to get you up in the morning, excited about the day, that's what you need, period. Joe, question as, as you go through this, and I think that what next thing is, is huge. How do advise, and one of the things I've, that I've talked to other advisors and I know I've seen a little bit in my practice is that you get to a point where you're just playing, you know, catch up, especially when you first started out, you're trying to build, you're trying to grow, you're spending so many hours on something and it's more of a monetary driven, you know, and, you know, with impact. And then you get to a point that you add enough on the monetary side, but you haven't thought enough ahead to that next level of what's next. And so now you kind of, you know, flounder just a little bit uh, with your practice or with your production because of that, because you haven't set that what ne what's next goal. So how do advisors always look beyond just what they're doing now? What are some things they could be doing to always seeing what's next so they're always pushing themselves to a higher level? Great question. So I think first off, let's backtrack for about 30 seconds and talk about the three stages of an advisor, right? So we have what we'll call a scarcity startup, which uh, Micah, what you just described, which is, hey, just doing what you got to do to kind of keep food on the table and keep the lights on. And then with the goal being you, you hit an economic number and then you're in what we call, you know, now we're, we're sustainable and we're abundant, right? And that's the comfort zone. That's a middle area, right? And so inside that middle area and some people write, and there's no timeline. It could be five years, 10 years, whatever it is. Unfortunately for some people, it's never, you get to the point where you're sustainable, comfortable, and then you've got to have that what's next question, right? That pivot point is what I like to call it. And a lot of times, if you make the pivot point about yourself, well, you know, I'm going to go get a second house, or I'm going to have three cars, or I'm going to go get the jet, or whatever it is. You know, there's a, most people, there's a part of our subconscious 
that makes it sound selfish. And we go, oh, you know, it's not, it can't be all about me. We get, we get subconsciously uncomfortable with it. And either A, we sabotage it, or B, we don't really click in. It doesn't really happen. And we stay in this kind of zone. So the pivot point, and this is the third zone, is what we call prosperity. Prosperity is about others, about legacy, about something bigger than yourself. So you've got to define what that is. Like literally, uh, I released, a, for my clients, I released a 20-minute um, piece yesterday, and I had three or four emails in my inbox this morning saying, how do I reach 5,000 investors? How do I reach 10,000 investors? Now I've got a different conversation with these clients. It's not about just making more money. It's about how to have impact. So I think Michael really boils down to is when you're in the zone, say, okay, what is it that we call it the rocking chair, right? And you sit back and Mike, and you know, I've talked about this. I remember one day in Florida, in Orlando, we talked about this. What you don't ever want to do is, is sit back when you're, whatever, however old you are, and look back at your life and say, you know what? I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have went for that. And wish that's they my, should have could have. That's, that's right. Yeah. So, so to me, it's really about, I'd rather go try something and fail. And if it means failing spectacularly, nobody's going to die in the making of this, right? So I'd rather go for it. And then, you know, let's see what happens. So I, I think it's really about when you get to that comfort zone, when you get into the abundance, a sustainable zone, you've got to ask yourself a different set of questions. Because for the first five or 10 years, the questions are, how much money do I need to pay the bills? And we've all experienced this, right? Man, if I can just make $100,000 a year, my life is good. Well, then you realize it's 200000 And you realize maybe it's 300000 right? You're always chasing something. But eventually, you catch it. Now you got to figure out what, what you want to chase next. And I think a lot of advisors have a real big challenge with that because it's not something that you were taught to do, whether it was in school or growing up in this industry. It's just something that most people don't think about. Well, that shiny gold object that's always out there is always the dollar sign, right? It's always someone saying, well, once you hit this production level, once you do this much in assets that, that you have, all the benchmarks that are out there, and I know, Matt, we've talked about this before, all the shiny things that are out there are all monetary driven. And it's not really what you're talking about, Joe, and you're talking about impacting people's lives. You're talking about adding massive value to so many people out there. And we don't have a focus on that really as an industry as that shiny object everyone's trying to go towards. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and the reason why I believe is because when you're, when you're baby advisors or baby planners or baby brokers, put whatever you want on there, you're conditioned in this industry to focus on 30 day increments, production months. And you can, and so from day one in the business, you're conditioned to measure certain things, to view certain things a certain way. And unfortunately, there are guys and gals in our industry who'll spend a 20, 30, 40 year career hovering between scarcity and abundance. They never make, they, they get in abundance, they think they got to figure it out, they fall back into scarcity. And it's rinse and repeat for a 20, 30, 40 year career. And that, in my mind, they had a nice job, they had a nice run, but it could have been so much more. And that's sad, you know, that's unfortunate yeah, in my mind, you know, from that perspective. But we're not going to remember this industry, when you, why do people get in this industry? couple reasons. They want to help people. They like financial planning, like stock markets, they like investments, they like portfolio management, they like money. It's all good, right? Hopefully, a certain piece of them, like you two guys, have figured this out. Okay, this is a vehicle. I can, I can throw off a lot of revenue. I can throw off a lot of capital. I can get some. I, this is the only profession I'm aware of in the entire world where you're going to have time, freedom, and economic abundance. The only one. Show me another one. We can have that conversation. Hmm. It doesn't exist, right? But 
All it is is an opportunity. If you don't seize that opportunity by thinking differently and shifting your thoughts. So a lot of what I do, and I'll use the term, hopefully it doesn't blow people out of the water, is deprogramming what happened the first 10 years of somebody's career, which is, you know, make enough money, keep the lights on, get the kids in school, you know, have, you know, kind of be in that sustainable kind of mode, if you will. But then you get bored. And that's why you see a lot of guys will mess with their businesses. They'll go off and do dumb stuff like start a second business or go into real estate and, you know, and all this stuff because they get bored. They need a new challenge. And my advice has always been this business, if done properly, should be kind of boring. Kind of the same thing over and over again. So if you want thrills, go do a bucket list, go skydive, right? Do whatever, go, go run with the bulls. Whatever you need to do to kind of meet your needs for excitement, go do it. The business is not the place to go play with it. Interesting. I think it's an interesting distinction there, Joe. About I love these these stages of scarcity, abundance, and prosperity. And, and I agree with you. A lot of advisors, and I know I've been guilty of that myself. Say, "Well, I'm kind of bored. Let me tinker with this. You know, let me almost throw a you know a rock into the gears just to see what happens." Mm-hmm. So it seems like there's a real difference between chasing a shiny object and really kind of having a meaningful search for prosperity. This this bigger than me that you spoke of. Correct, man. I mean, and look, you know, here's the uh, good news, bad news. The, the good news is there are a lot of people that are willing to give you shiny objects, right? There, sure. There's uh, different consultants and gurus and stuff like that out there, different vendors. And then, uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's kind of, and the bad news is that, you know, you got to be careful. To your point, I think guys want to throw rocks in the gear because they want to go fix something because they're bored and they need something to do. And uh, part of my job, uh, especially if uh, most of my clients are tenured for many, many years, is to really say, hey, we don't need to do that. Or why are you doing that? Why do you want to even consider doing that? Right? We don't need that. You know, especially on the marketing side, I think a lot of guys get seduced into, I need the, net, the latest and greatest shiny object. And you know, there's a lot of quote unquote business partners out there who are happy to provide those shiny objects for you, right? Sure. And I think the key thing is to realize that sometimes less is more. It's about focus. And doing too many things uh, average will always be worse than if you do a couple things with greatness. I'm all about, I'm always about a couple things with greatness than the, than the mediocre in five or 10 different things, quite frankly. Well, Joe, to shift gears just a little bit to something else sure. that you said, you, you, you early on in this call said that it's never about me. It's always about the client. And, and I was hoping you could elaborate on that a little bit, both as a coach, but also as an advisor, right? This really, and something Mike and I talk about a lot is how do we deliver massive value to the clients? We would say, Hey, that's the key number one fundamental of everything delivering massive value. So talk to us a little bit more about that. It's never about me. It's always about the client. Correct. So, so let's kind of, let's kind of have that conversation. So first off, look, everybody in this industry, if you're successful, has somewhat of an ego. Otherwise you couldn't survive in this industry because <laughs> this is a failure based. Look, this is a failure based yeah. business. So, so if you don't have that shine, that armor on, you will get, you will get killed. Right? So that's number one. However, there also has to be then the mindset, which is I'm here to serve, right? Now, serve doesn't mean that you that you allow people to take advantage of you and, you know, that you're an employee of a client or anything like that. But just understand that this is not about you. It's like the doctor-patient, right? Your doctors can have big egos, but if they have a great bedside manner and they're highly competent, they're rock star doctors, right? That's kind of the, the, the whole build there. So same thing here. We need to have egos so we can handle things and be decisive. But yet, when it comes to the client, we've got to have that nurturing, caring, all about the client, and which is not false, by the way. You have to have that, right? Otherwise, it shows up. Trust me, people, people recognize that. So I think that's the first thing. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, look, I, you know, I come on a little bit different, right? So I've been doing this for 25 years. 
uh, I am probably the most experienced coach you'll ever find. And the reason why I say that is there are people that have been at this as long as I have, but then they've gone on to write books and they speak at conferences and they do the dog and pony shows and stuff like that. And that's cool. That's what, look, nothing wrong with that. I never found that something I enjoyed. I like having deep, meaningful relationships. I like helping people. You know, my fatal flaw, if there's one, is I care too damn much about my client's success. And, you know, that's what drives me every day. It's uh, what Mike is doing, drives me every day, what Floyd does every day. That's what drives me. I, you know, not that I live vicariously through them, but I, I, I don't, I've never looked at a client and said, well, that's a, I'm going to provide you a service. Well, you're a client, I'm going to provide you the service, you're going to pay me, and I hope it works. I care about all my, if, if I don't care about you, you're not a client. And I think that's the approach I want my clients to take on with their clients, that you care about your people, you know, that, that you, you know, you, 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 excuse my life, you give a shit about them, right? And you care deeply because at the end of the day, like you guys, we are, I am in the relationship business. That's the business we're all in. And so in the relationship business, what is the currency that we have? The only currency that matters, client goodwill. That is it. Micah, you don't have a lifetime agreement to work with your clients. Matt, you don't have a lifetime agreement to work with your clients. I don't have a lifetime agreement to work with my clients. We all trade in the currency of relationship of client goodwill. And when you wake up in the morning understanding that, your approach to things are different. You, you look at things longer term. You know, it's not how do I get a client, but how do I keep them? How do I keep a client for life? My philosophy is clients for life. That's ultimately what I want, which is different, I think, than a lot of other coaches who want to fill up their coaching programs or want to see how much money they can get or it's all about them. And I'm not going to get into names, but I'm sure if you, uh, if you interview uh, Micah's dad, he'll throw names around because he doesn't <laughs> care. That's cool. Um, but, you know, Micah's dad's worked with pretty much every major coach in this industry. Uh, and I'm still his coach 15 years later. I think that says something. Yeah, it really does. In fact, I, I want to tie together two pieces that you said earlier and you said this now about the care too damn much. Did you only work with clients that you really care about? And I'm trying to kind of search through my memory breaks here. I don't know that I've ever heard that said in the industry as far as a qualification for a client, right? Some will go as far to say, well, you know, you've got to have mutual respect for your clients, but I've never, I don't think I've ever heard someone say, Hey, you should only work with people for whom you care too damn much, or even mm -hmm. without the colorful language. Right. Uh, well, and, right. And talk about the reprogramming, right? You know, the kind of the core is it's got to be profitable. They've got to pay a certain fee. You know, maybe it's nice if you respect each other, but that's kind of the end of it in most mm -hmm. industry discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Likeable, profitable, coachable. I always say likable first, because if I don't like you, how can I care about you? If I, if I don't feel connected with you, then I can't work with you. And you know, look, and I think my world's not very different than, than the advisor world. I, I look, we're, we've all done this, starting out in our careers, and I was no different. If they're walking, talking, and they can pay a couple bucks, they're clients. The way it works, right? And that's, and that's the rite of passage I think everybody has to go through. But then at some point, you've got to get to that point. Maybe that's, it's that you know, kind of abundance, uh, sustainable area, where you're saying, okay, who do I really like? And, you know, in my test to myself, and then I also tell my clients, look, if you've got something in your schedule and you hope they cancel, that's a clue, right? If you're going to go meet with somebody and like, you know, you got that going on in your stomach, hey, that's a clue. You know, maybe you shouldn't have them as a client. Life is too short. And the only reason why somebody holds on to a relationship like that is because they're in scarcity mode. They're like, oh, man, I can't lose this person. I can't, I can't lose that revenue. And if you live your life that way, you run your business that way you're not going to have a very good business because you're always going to be concerned over the next client. That's not an abundant psychology. 
Yeah, boy, that's that's really the truth. In fact, I'll, I'll take that just a little bit further. I would say, boy, if, if your team is, and, and uh, Mike and I talk a lot about teams on, on our podcast, but if your team has any kind of that kind of feeling or that resentment towards a, a client, that's a good indication you've got to separate with that person as well. We had client a few years ago that I didn't mind this gal, but but my team just really dreaded this gal coming in. And so I said, great, this, you know, this gal's making $15,000 a year in revenue for the firm. But if it's that impactful for the team, then it's just not a good fit anymore. So I, I'm completely with you there, Joe. You've got to have, if you're dreading that person coming in, whatever money they're paying you is not worth it. Correct. And literally this Thursday, I had a call with my clients up in Canada and he was telling me, he's like, we just part a company with a $5 million AUM client, which is, wow. you know, probably about 30, yeah, 25, $35,000. And I, I said, Tony, why do you, why do you part with them? He goes, because they call once a week to complain. They treat my team with oh. disrespect, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I've, I've got to have my, I've got to have my teams back. So we, so we, so we graduated them. So I'm with you, Matt. Totally great. You cannot let your clients, and hope, you know, again, I use the word client, uh, you know, abuse your staff. You cannot do that. They'll, it's not good in, in any scenario. Yep. No, that's, that's really powerful. I really, really agree with that. Let's, uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit more here. So we talked about advisors, or you talked about advisors kind of getting stuck in that abundance stage where, where they get comfortable, where they escape from scarcity. What are some of the other traps that advisors fall into at kind of different stages in their careers? You know, I think, you know, again, just drumming around here, yeah. I think, you know, kind of, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Just because somebody else is doing something doesn't mean you should be doing it, right? And, and that pretty much falls into the, into the marketing side, probably most popular. You know, bottom line, is just because somebody's doing workshops doesn't mean you should do workshops. Just because somebody has a podcast doesn't mean you should have a podcast, right? I'm asked this often, uh, hey, Joe, what, what's working out there for business development today? And the answer, <laughs> and the answer is everything. Absolutely everything, because I've got clients that I got clients that solve cold calling teams, right? Who call companies for rollovers, right? I've got somebody, I've got people that cold walk, so I got seminars, I got centers of influence. I mean, direct mail, Facebook ads, a whole gambit, right? So it's not a, that's never a good question. The question is, what should you be doing? What should you be doing? So I think the first thing is, you know, number one, just because you see someone else doing it, it doesn't mean that matters, right? Number two. This industry has done itself a very uh, large disservice by the following. We, as an industry, we've always looked at this as, you know, we parade. I don't care whatever conference you go to, you know, they always parade the super successful people up there, right? So in, in RIA land, you know, the billion dollar, the multi-billion dollar RIAs and BD land, you know, the top producers and in insurance land, MDRT and stuff like that. And so, and, and I've seen this consistently throughout my career. You can be an advisor and you can be making literally a half a million dollars a year in W-2, right? Or 1099. So by any stretch of the, by any definition, that's going to put you in the top 1% of earners in the United States. But you go to a conference and you're not, the, and you're not in the top 20. Sometimes you feel like a failure. There are more people, and think about this, the, the median household income in the United States, I think last time I looked was $54,000 a year for a family of four. A lot of advisors make that in a month yet they, feel, they still feel like they're failures. There's a huge lack of a reality check in this industry. You have guys and gals making $100,000, $150,000, $200,000 a year who feel like they're failures. The problem with that is when you feel like a failure, are you going to be inspired to go be great? No. no. You're going to have this, this psychology of survival, survival, maybe a little abundance once in a while, but you feel like a failure. So I think that's the other thing that you've got to be careful about. Our industry is not normal. And you can't view it through a normal lens. It doesn't work that way, right? And I, then I think the other thing, quite frankly, is 
you know, this is a 24 seven, 365 gig. You know, there's no, especially now with technology, which technology has been great. Technology is a, t a tool of liberation. It gets you out of the office. The other challenge with that is the office now comes with you all the time, right? You're always connected. So, yeah, that's right. And so it's really understanding, you know, that it's okay. It's okay to be in your business every day at some level. That's the freedom tax, you know? So where, where the mic is in, you know, Hawaii and New Mexico, it, it's not like he's disconnected. The only time I think, Micah, you get disconnected when you go moose hunting. And even then, you've got a sat phone with you. That's it, right? That's one time a year. But yeah, but disconnected means that you know, I have a you know, global satellite texture that the office can reach me, and then I can call and when something comes back. And we've had to return client calls out there. So you know, disconnected right. is a relative term. Right. No, agreed. And, and I think you know, what really, you, know, you want the hair on the back of my neck to stand up? Tell me you have a job, and you really see what happens. <laughs> I hear that, you know, oh, you know, my job is a bullshit. You know, since when do you have a job? You have, oh, you have guaranteed income? You have really, you have a job. You're told when to come in, when to leave and stuff like that. I didn't know that. Jeez. Right. Think about that. If that's the way they frame it to me, how are they framing it in their own minds? They really get up in the morning and think I got to go to work today. Anybody says I got to go to work today. They can really, re they need to reevaluate what they're doing. There's no work here. There's no job here. There's a career. There's value add. There's giving to others. There's, you know, doing, doing what we need to do. But no, there's no job work here. So, there's Joe, I want to jump in real fast, if I may, on, on what you just said. I mean, all this stuff that you talked about are, are phenomenal points. Um, but, you know, it, the lack mentality, the traps that we fall into, you know, yep. with the monkey see, monkey do, we feel like mm -hmm. a failure. You know, we didn't say yep. about imposter syndrome. I'm sure it would come up in this conversation, too. Um, sure. All of those issues that advisors have. So really, that's boiling down all to mindset, right? Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. mean, that's your mindset that if you're there. So I think I got a couple of questions is one, if you're someone's listening to this podcast, and they're in that mindset today, number one, how do they start breaking out of it? And then the second question on that, how does someone keep once they're broken out of that mindset? How do they keep on the other side of that mindset? How do they keep out of that negative space so they can be successful in the, in the advisory space? Two great questions. So I think, I think first off, you know, the, my protocol is you must control the first hour of the day. So you must have your morning success, morning success ritual. And inside of that morning success ritual, you know, there are protocols, right? What you read, what you watch, what you listen to. Um, quick sidebar note here. If you think about your listeners, which I know are all, uh, you know, independent advisors, what percent, so what percentage of them actually have a written business plan? You know, and then second question is, if you do, when's the last time you read it? Right. So here's, here's what I found, you know, less than 20% of advisors have a written business plan. And, and of those that have one, you know, the, most of the time they haven't looked at it in months. So in other words, where's my game plan? Where's my vision? Right. So I don't have that. So I think that's number one. And so in the morning you need to go ahead and, and you're going to read your business plan. You're going to kind of reconnect to what you're looking to do, right? You're going to be conscious. So here's the other part. And this goes to Micah's comment about the mindset. Most human beings live an unconscious life. We're pattern based creatures. We're, some, we're unconscious pattern-based creatures. So it just, you know, we just, we're on autopilot. And my job as a coach is to break auto, is to get you off autopilot. Is to say, wait a second, you've been operating the same way for 15, 20 years, and it's gotten you this far, but you're not going to be able to work harder to get to that next step. You've got to think differently. So I think first off, you've got to recognize that you have to shift your mindset. And this is what makes me different than most other coaches. Most other coaches want to play in practice. They want to play in the fun, in the safe stuff. Practice management, which is all valuable. But unless the person's mindset has a shift, evolves, all the practice management in the world is not going to overcome that. 
that's a challenge, right? So that's first thing. Second thing is, you know, again, a lot of, we're on the island, right? So independent, you're running your team, but at the end of the day, you're on the island. So like, I know like you guys are part of, you have a mastermind, you have a, you have a small group of like-minded advisors. I run a mastermind. I have a group of like-minded advisors. I think it's very important you keep good company. So how do you, how do you break through and then stay broken through is by who you're connecting with. And the challenge though, going back to the ego part, is a lot of advisors have this concept, I don't need any help. I don't need to be a part of something. I'm good. That's the ego talk. And there's, so the ego and arrogance cost a lot of advisors a high level of success because they operate with those two basic psychologies. They're egotistical because you've got to have some of that to be successful to begin with, but then they got arrogant because they don't think they need help or don't need to be a part of something bigger than that, right? And so I think those are the two things that really, if you, if you think about, okay, what stops somebody from going from abundance to prosperity? You're going to find that those two emotions are going to be prevalent in most cases. I got too much of an ego drive. I'm good. I'm arrogant. I'm good. And so I'm just going to do it myself. Here's the reality. You can't. Or 99% of people can't. Right? You need to be a part of something. That's the key thing, Micah. I like it. Yeah, wow, that's really good. Um, you know, on, on that note, Joe, let's talk about masterminds just a little bit. You've mentioned you've been running a mastermind group, you know, professionally running it for many years. Uh, you talked about this importance of keeping good company, especially in an industry. And, and I love this where you talked about how in the industry we parade around these just, you know, the Olympian level athletes and, and really use them to shame everyone else, right? That, that mm -hmm. guy who's doing $100,000, $200,000 production, which to your point is a phenomenal amount of revenue relative or income relative to the world. But that's still that person is full of him. I know I run into advisors and they say, oh, uh, Matthew, my practice is terrible. I said, well, you know, tell me some numbers. Oh, I'm, I'm only making $150,000 a year. All right, well, you still have a lot to aspire to. But that, Joe, to your point, that's a, that's a phenomenal income in, uh, in our world. So talk about masterminds. How do you find this good company in an industry that's so brainwashed, if you will, or so programmed with, you know, dog eat dog, and you've got to keep going, and you've got to be the top of the top of the tippity top table. How, how do we do this? Well, I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's going to sound self-serving for the three of us here, but I think number one, reach out to you guys, reach out to me, right? But I mean, that's going to probably, uh, you know, that's going to be my first answer without it sounding too self-serving. I, I look, I think there's a couple ways you can do it. You can go find one that's that's run professionally, which is always going to be what I think is a good idea for the following reasons. I think when you try to build one yourself, the problem with it is that it's, it's going to be haphazard. It may go for a couple of meetings and it's going to flame out, you know, and I've seen this in my career. I've had clients of mine create accountability groups and all this other stuff. And the problem with it is there's nobody who's, whose real job is to make sure it happens. Right. There's not, and, and there's not a, an economic commitment to it. So I think first off, you could try it on your own. My experiences are that it will only work for a short period of time and then it will evaporate. And the other thing is if, if you're doing it, if you're doing it that way, you're probably gonna have to draw pretty local. Right. I mean, that's reality. I like the idea of having guys and gals from you know, all over the country, different walks of life, putting them in a room and stuff like that. So I, I think, you know, number one is seek one out, seek, you know, seek it out. Maybe you talk to some of your business partners. Like I said, I think they, you know, again, sounding self-serving here. I think that your listeners should uh, reach out to the three of us and uh, we can guide them one way or the other. But I think every advisor needs to be, if you really want to optimize your success, you want to be a part of a group of like-minded men and women. I think that's critical. Let's face it. We operate in a negative world, you know, negative noise, negative news, and, and this has got nothing to do with anything. Just look at the inputs that the average human being gets in a day. 
And where are you gonna where are you gonna go to where are you gonna find a group of like and this is not about going to conferences when everybody's got ego up and stuff yeah. like that. It's about going to people that really want to support one another, that really want to care about one another. That you know, one of the byproducts, and and I'm sure you guys are seeing it too in your own mastermind, is you end up with lifelong friendships. And a lot of times the relationship is the most important outcome you get out being of a group is like, like, how, like you and Matt, right? You and Micah, right? You guys, you guys started your mastermind. Look at what you're doing today, right? You got this podcast, you're doing a coaching program, but I don't think you guys have known each other for more than what, a couple of years, right? Or a year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that is the glorious byproduct of the right mastermind group, about the right connections. And you just can't put a price on something like that. Yeah, you know, and I, I really want to highlight that for our, our listeners, right? We're all familiar with the concept of a mastermind. It's, it's been written about, what did Napoleon Hill write about it uh, more than 100 years ago? And, and on its surface, it sounds really easy, right? Call up a couple of guys and gals that you know, you get together, and, and it will be magic, right? And the fireworks go off. Uh, but Joe, my experience has echoed what you said, right? That you get together, and, and one person's kind of haranguing the group, and it's fun at first, and then it fizzles out quick because no one's really minding it. And mm -hmm. I, I would really just agree with what you said, and and maybe you know someone could call this self-serving, but um, find it, it, unless you have a mastermind already built, which is very difficult to do, find a mastermind, pay to be part of it, right? That's professionally facilitated, and as soon as you think you've got it figured out, by all means, spin off and and find your own, right? Like anything in life, as soon as you're not getting value that exceeds what you're paying, then go ahead, spin off and do your own. But wow, you know, one of the best things I ever did in my career was join what was at the time called Million Dollar Producer, Tom Gow and Ken Unger. They call it. Academy of Preferred Financial Advisors. Now, and it's not really a mastermind. It's more of a group coaching program. Right. But it just, it transformed my whole outlook on the industry, my whole outlook on my practice, not just because of what they're saying, right? And Tom and Ken are, are successful in their own right, but to be around other successful advisors, both to be inspired by them, but also at the same time for me, realizing there was nothing magical about these guys. I had sort of had in my mind that they must be brilliant. These must be savants or there's something just extraordinary I said, well, these are these are just ordinary guys they're just doing things in a smart in a smart way so mm -hmm. there's so many benefits to a mastermind and i just want to echo that to your point it's very difficult to form one on your own right but the distinctions like to your point with uh you know with with, with ken and his group right is you get these distinctions you know a lot of times yeah. people say oh, well i want to go get training i need to get trained and stuff like that and you know you're looking for training and what you really need is just an example of distinction some of that's really meaningful. And sometimes, you know, it's interesting. I'm sure you guys have, have seen this too in your groups. You know, you can, go to a, you can go to a mastermind meeting with basically, hey, I want to get this out of, this is what I'm here for. And then there's another member who has a totally something totally different they're going to discuss. And you leave that meeting and go, you know what? I thought I was here for that. But what that person talked about, I got, way, I got 10 times more out of that conversation than what I thought. And, and that's how you know you have the right people in the room. When you, when you can sit there and say, not only did I get what I came for, but I got like, like eight or nine different other, I got like eight or nine different things also from what other people brought. People bring up things I never even thought of, right? That's what you want. That's, that's a good group, quite frankly. It's the energy that comes from being around those successful people in that group. And then after you, I know when we get done with our mastermind, I'm just excited. And my wife, Kelly, has mentioned it too. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm stoked afterwards because you spend that time with like-minded people, you brainstorm, you come up with these creative ideas, and then you're just energized and ready to conquer the world afterwards. And that's, that is really valuable to our clients because now we come back to our practice ready to implement things, ready to take on things. And 
I got to say, that's a huge part of the mastermind to me is, is not only knowing people, not only the great ideas, but that pure energy that you get from it that you can mm -hmm. take back to your practice and really help your clients with. Yeah, being inspired. Look, every I think you, I think you hit a great benchmark, which is if you're not if you're not excited and inspired after your mastermind meeting, maybe you need to find a different mastermind, right? From that perspective, and 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 so you know you can so just just to kind of backtrack for a second, you know you can create your own mastermind group. So let me say this: you can. However, you should have somebody facilitate it. You should have you know that should be done by a third party. You should have a third party administer it. That way you're not responsible because if you're trying to run your mastermind, then you're not running your business, right? So I think the other part of this is you should always try to seek somebody or some entity to kind of run it for you so that you can just focus on being a participant and not being the leader. So that's always another different sidebar piece. If you've got a coach that you like, right, somebody in the industry you respect, that's a great person to approach and say, hey, there's four or five of us. Will you facilitate a mastermind. And I really want to stress for our listeners, I just can't stress this enough that there's this kind of this, this misconception that a coaching program or a mastermind program is about equal with a conference. And, and those two are just night and day. A conference, an industry conference is totally different than what we're talking about here. Sure, an industry conference is fun. Sure, you get fired up and they have these great keynote speakers, but they really have just no comparison to a mastermind or a group coaching style program. It's just a night and day difference. So don't think to yourself, hey, I went to and I won't name conferences here. I get in enough trouble with the conference pro promoters. Uh, don't, don't tell yourself, hey, I went to this conference or I went to five conferences and I'm covered. That's, that's just a totally different space. Correct. I'm out. Here's what I would say. I think there's three, I think there's three areas all the buyers need to take a look at. So number one is conferences, right? You want to pick the conferences that you resonate with. And your comment, I'm not going to get into names either. I think some are good, some are not so good, but that's neither here nor there. So I think conferences. Second thing is training. So the difference between conference and training is conferences you go, you're a couple keynotes, some breakouts. So in other words, you get some superficial stuff, it's good, you get some value add, cool. Training is when you're gonna spend a, a day, or two days, three days, whatever, doing something, right? So that's different, right? You're gonna learn a skill set. And then the third element is the mastermind, right? Every advisor needs all three. You need to go to conferences, you need to, you, you pick out your conferences for the year, pick out the trainings you wanna go to, the skill sets you wanna master, and then you want to have your group, right? Those three things. I think if an advisor were to do that, that would position them, in my mind, to really look to, to be in expansion mode. And that's what we're seeking here. Yeah, boy, that's, that's really good, Joe. This is something, these are all, as we do these calls, these are all things I think, man, I wish I would have known this 15 years ago when I was yeah. starting out and not have to discover it the hard way years and years in. So here's the beauty of it, Matt. You have 100% of your career and 100% of your life left. There's plenty of time. Yeah, but that's a good point, right? We spend so much time dwelling in the past, especially on the negativity, right? It seems like we dwell on all the negative in the past, but 100% of it's still there. <laughs> you guys may be old enough. You guys remember the old Cannibal Run? It was probably made in the late, mid, six, mid 70s about the race around the, across the country. Well, there's a scene in there where I, I think it was Raul Julia at the time. He jumps in a Ferrari, an old Ferrari, and the first thing he does, he takes the rear view mirror and he rips it out and he throws it. And he goes, the first rule of Italian driving, we don't care what's behind us. And I, and I never forgot that <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, I think that's a great metaphor for life. But you don't worry about what's behind you. It's done. It's in the books. Be forward thinking. You know, and that's what right. a lot of guys, look, human beings, we're, we tend to replay things in our minds. That's just kind of human nature. The challenge with it is that you, if it, it's one thing to replay. It's another thing to live in, to live it, right? And I fail all the time. You know, I, I, I can know this. I've talked openly about this. I am always trying new things. I'm always looking to elevate what I do. And look, a lot of times it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. 
it, it's okay. You know, I think, I think we as an industry or a society are so failure phobic that we cannot elevate because we're afraid to try. We're afraid to go for something under the fear that we may fail. And, you know, question and Mike and knows the answer to this already. How you define failure to yourself is very important for success, period. So if failure, if you define failure as I did not achieve my goals, and that's your definition, you will never go for it big time because you're not going to risk it. My definition of failure, I go for it, I don't get the outcome, and I don't learn anything. My term is stupid in, stupid out. If I don't learn anything, then I fail because I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what I need to do different, right? But if I learn something that I can apply so the second time around I do it, then it's okay. Again, assuming that I'm not going to lose all my money, my family, my house, stuff like that. So again, you want to keep things in a certain, in a certain realm. But you know, I think what all your listeners need to do is really ask themselves that very conscious question. How do I define failure to myself? And then based on the answer, go, is that a good answer? Does that serve me? Does that empower me? If it doesn't, guess what? You can change it because who gave it to you in the first place? See, what most people don't get is that their mindset, you weren't born with it. It was cobbled together by random acts, and yet here we are. And what I'm just saying to everybody, so look, you know, you can reprogram yourself. You can make definitions, right, from your beliefs, your values, rules, your internal dialogue, your self-image. There's five things. Beliefs, values, the rules associated to those values, your internal dialogue, self-talk, the man or woman in the mirror, self-image, and how you define failure to yourself. Those five things make up mindset. And what every advisor needs to do, every human being, quite frankly, needs to do is consciously evaluate those and really peel that onion back and really look at it. Because at the end of the day, once you're smart enough to be in this business for five years, it's not a question, can you be smart enough to be super, super successful? The real question is, can you develop the mindset? Can you evolve your, can you evolve your psychology to really put you in a place to go expansion mode and to, and to go into prosperity mode? That's the real key thing here. And you're not going to find that at a conference. You're not going to find that, you know, with a practice management person or a marketing person. These are the five things every advisor must master if they truly want to accomplish what they want to accomplish in life. And that's why everyone's flocks to those shiny objects like marketing things or conferences, because what you just talked about was really deep and challenging. I mean, I can't yeah. just throw a credit card at this and, and buy a marketing problem that's going to fix these issues. I mean, this is something that someone really has to tackle head on in order to work one day at a time to change your rules, to change your beliefs, to change your mindset, to get rid of that head trash that's going to commit over time in order to be successful. It's, it's going to take work. And, and to go back to my comment earlier about, you know, about you know, ego and arrogance, in order to do that effectively, you've got to put yourself in a self-reflective and an honest state, no, no, no BS, right? And in order to put yourself in a no BS place, you got to put your ego aside, you got to put your arrogance aside, and you've got to really look at the man or woman in the mirror and say, who am I really? And who do I? So, so the question really be, you know, like for your listeners, I don't care if they have a half a million dollar business, a quarter million dollar business, or a multi-million dollar business. If they want to grow their business, which I think is the goal here, let's say they want to double, triple, quadruple it. It is not the question of, well, what do I need? Well, I need these many employees. I need these many clients. That's not the question. The key question is, who do you need to become as a person, as a human being, as a professional, as a leader? 
who do you need to evolve into? Because unless you have an answer to that question, you'll never accomplish it. To Micah's comment, I don't care how much money you spend on marketing programs. I don't care what kind of consultants you bring in. I don't care what kind of team you hire. I don't care what kind of practices you buy. Until you have that answered of who I need to become. And if you sit there and say to yourself, I don't need to, I'm good, then you're lying to yourself. And that's the thing. Can you be honest with yourself, put away your ego, put away your arrogance, and do the work to really elevate? That's my specialty. And that's not easy. You just can't stroke a check to me and I fix you. It's work. It's emotion. And that's, and Matt, you know, to your comment earlier to, on, on, on the session, I put a ton of emotional energy into my clients. Because if I don't put that emotional energy in, I cannot facilitate change. And that's the difference. And I have abundant emotional energy. And Michael will tell you that. I, I don't just fluff my way through stuff. I care. That's the difference. Wow. No, that's, that's really awesome. Joe, this, is, this got really intense in a cool way really, really quickly. Um, and just really, I, I mean, I'm definitely going to go back and listen to this recording a couple of times. There was some really great stuff right there. Joe, as, as we come to the end of our time, based on what you just said, this reprogramming, and, and actually, I want to be a cynic just for a second. You know, I, I hear these things like, you know, how do you define success? That, that strikes me as those old successory posters, right, that the insurance yep. agency would have on the mm -hmm. wall, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. What are a couple of things that advisors listening could start doing today to, to start this reprogramming process? And I, and I know that it's more than just a one-day process, but what's something that they could do today, tomorrow, this week to start that process in their own life? I think the first thing is make sure you have a vision. So, you know, in lieu of writing a whole business plan, I'd ask you to come up with one sheet of paper and write and write down the following, you know, where do I want to be in five years? You know, business wise, what kind of person do I want to be in five years? And then where am I today? And look at the gaps. Number one, number two, get your morning under control. The first hour of the day shapes the day. So the morning success ritual is not negotiable. So you need to program yourself every day for success. It's like an athlete pre-warm-up, pre-game. You've got to have that. You've got to have that hour to to get that. And then the third piece, if I could, Matt, is please you know, find resources. You know whether it's whether it's the perfect RAA or or anything that kind of you know floats your boat. Get around the right people. Get around the right psychology, the right group, the right mentoring group, um, the right tribe, if you will. Uh, that makes all the difference. Stop telling yourself that you're good, that you're that you've got this thing figured out. Stop lying to yourself, and really, you know, hey, raise your hand. Say, you know what? I'm good, but I want to be great. And the difference in good and great is not more. It's a different mindset. It's a different psychology. You cannot master that by just stroking a check and trying to fix something. You've got to do the work. Wow. No, that that is really awesome. That's um, great stuff, Joe. It really is. Well, Joe, speaking of resources, how can people learn more about you and about what you've done and, and what you're doing and why it is that, that Floyd, and again, for those of you who don't know Floyd, he's just this amazing guy, but for Joe to have met the Floyd threshold is, uh, says a lot. That's a, that's a big endorsement in my book. Micah's endorsement, you know, we'll kind of, we'll take not, that. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, probably there's a couple ways. So first of all, you can just Google me and it's, uh, it's Coach Joe L U K A C S. So not as we always, not as we always say it, but here's the spelling L U K A C S. Uh, website IPG Inc. India Papa George Inc.net, and then uh, Mastermind Magellan Mastermind.com. So those are three websites. 
Uh, there's a fourth, practicepower.net. Uh, I think practice power is great for everybody. So first off, it's free. I, I charge nothing. There's no gotcha logins or anything like that. You go join. There's probably 300 hours of content. You can guys play with that if you want. Um, that's my gift to the industry. And the reason why I did that is this industry has allowed me. I remember, I was one of the, I was one of the first coaches 20, 25 years ago in the space. Uh, so I, I believe in giving back. So I took a paid program and I made it open source. So from morning ritual builders to daily game plan builders to, like I said, about three hour, 300 hours of audio and video. It's my gifts to the industry, practicepower.net. You just got to go, go sign up and there's no gotchas. Okay. So Matt, that's how people can get a hold of me. Boy, that's really awesome. Well, Joe, really appreciate your time with us today. You've been very generous with you, with your advice back to the industry. Any parting thoughts that you would offer to our listeners or any call to action that you would, you would suggest they take? Yeah. I mean, first off, recognize that you're in the greatest profession, you know, that you can be in. You not only can you have economic abundance and time freedom, but you can impact people at, at the deepest level. You know, I've always believed that an advisor is the third part of the Troika. You know, you have the spiritual advisor, the health advisor, and then their financial advisor. So take that, so take that, if you will, that space and honor it. Do great things. Honor the business, honor the profession. And then lastly, I would say this is the ultimate personal development business. So I want you all to commit 5 to 10% of your revenue slash income to reinvest back in yourself, to join the coaching programs, the masterminds, and stuff like that. Remember, you are the core product, not your portfolios, not your planning process, not your service models. You are the core product. You are the core product. Reinvest back in yourself. I love it. I love it. Well, Joe, I look forward to having you on the call again on the podcast again. It's been really great talking to you again, Micah. Thanks for uh, getting Coach Joe on with us, Micah. Any parting thoughts for our group today, based on what, all the, the amazing things we've learned? You know, uh, Coach, I've been working with you. You know, for I think I've only been working with you for twelve or thirteen years, but it's been absolutely amazing. And every time we talk, I still get notes and go through stuff, so I still have it to learn. So I'm just loving it. Um, the biggest thing, my, my parting thoughts, and I would say the biggest thing that's made the, the two biggest things made the biggest change in my practice and both of which the coach said today, number one is that morning ritual. We glossed over it real fast, but that is so, so important, setting that type of mindset. So my number one action item, I would say to all the listeners, start today, start with that morning ritual. Tomorrow morning, wake up and fill your head with success focus on what you're going to do. It's not email. It's not CNBC. It's not crap that you're putting in there. What you putting in your mind in that first hour, Joe, I thought that was excellent. Um, the second thing is that PD budget. Um, that's the other thing I would say, start tomorrow, uh, take a percentage of your revenue, start with 5% as a minimum, just as coach said, and start setting that in a separate bank account, a separate item right off. So you know exactly what it's for and just have that to reinvest in yourself. Those, no, those are both going to be really transformative. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast today. Uh, if you have questions ever, to our listeners, if you have questions for Joe, you can look them up. You can post them in the comments section on our site. I really want to give a special thanks to Coach Joe Lucas for coming with us on the podcast today. I think the advice that he shared is really transformative, and that's not uh, something I throw out there lightly. As always, though, good ideas are of no value. Everybody knows what they need to do to get six-pack abs. Everyone knows what they need to do to become a billionaire, and yet very few people are willing to do that. What counts, the only thing that counts 
is taking action, massive action. And there is a lot of action that you can take from this podcast, from Joe's advice. I would say the most important action, and you can accuse me of being self-serving here, the most important action from this podcast is to join a mastermind group or form one or pay to be part of one. Uh, as Joe explained in the podcast, it is difficult to form your own mastermind. Not impossible. I've done it successfully. Other people have as well. And of course, Joe isn't the first one to come up with this idea, but either form a mastermind or join a mastermind, be it Joe's, be it another program, find a group coaching program, find some group that will provide you with both guidance, direction, and accountability to achieve your own version of the perfect RAA. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you on a future episode. You have been listening to The Perfect RIA Podcast. For more information on how you can build a highly effective financial planning practice, please visit theperfectria.com.